Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your coach, your guide on the side, doing what we can to make sure that you're surviving the storm. You know what? We were expecting the storm of the century. In fact, yesterday we called it the largest storm in the history of the galaxy. Well, that's what you called it. Yeah. It's not what CNN was calling it. Yeah. But you know what I'm noticing? A lot of us were wrong. Yeah. It kind of petered out in New York. Didn't quite hit like it could have. That's true. But Boston? Oh, they're still getting pounded, actually. Boom! You know why? You know why? Oh, yeah. I know what your theory is. I got to keep bringing it up. Yeah? The Patriots. Oh, yeah. Sure. You can't... You can blame Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, right? <laughs> is that right? If you have problems with all that snow, if you pull your back out... But they're not even playing the game there. Doesn't matter. Karma. Uh, okay. I don't know if that's true. Are they trying to fill up the footballs with snow? Ooh, they're trying to keep it cold there so that this the balls so the shrink. balls deflate. That's right. Okay. You know, I don't want to start a conspiracy, but apparently there's already a conspiracy started. <laughs> yeah, I'm we don't want to start it. No, I'm adding to it. No, that's probably not true. We don't want. You know, we don't know what's happened. We just know eleven out of twelve balls. Something happened. Oh yeah. Hey, Lots of um, people, though, out of power it's huge. in New England. It's huge. Tons. 15,000 residents just in Nantucket. Oh, out of power. Out of power. With a foot and a half or whatever of snow. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of wind, though, too. 50-mile-an-hour winds. That's the killer. The wind is the problem. When you have a 50-mile-an-hour wind, that's you – know, what is it, a hurricane? 70 miles or whatever? I mean, that's – you're I nearing, think it's up to about 80, but yeah. Still, that's a big deal. it's close. And you know what else mm-hmm. that means is the minute you shovel your walks with all that wind – Oh, your neighbor's it. snow is in your yard. <laughs> Try and shovel a walk in 50-mile-an-hour wind. Hey. You're not going to shovel anything. Hey, don't say I haven't tried. Okay. I've done that. Uh, yeah. I've done that. But uh, the good news is it looks like there's a lot of people who actually heeded the warnings. They yep. stayed inside. They that? stayed at home. The cities were closed. Exactly. I was actually – my wife and I were interested. We watched the Today Show this morning. Wow. Just to see who showed up. You don't need to defend it. It's an okay thing to do. Well, no, Just watch it. We, we, well, I, I do usually catch it most mornings just to see news and stuff. And that, and, and But they all walk to work today. Enough. All the hosts of the Today Show walk to work. Well, you could because there was only five people in New York well, that's, City. That's the funny thing. Matt Lauer actually went out in the middle of Fifth Avenue and did a snow angel. <laughs> did he really? Yes. See, that's great. I, I mean, in a way, every, we just gave the eastern... You know, the eastern part of the country, we gave them a day off. That is true. Snow day. Uh, well, New York Mayor Bill de Blasio said, hey, we dodged a bullet. Yeah. No, really. They did. Well, I mean, has, At did, least New York did. Were there any – did anybody die? There, I know there was a boy that crashed uh, – he was he crashed a sled and died. You know, I haven't sadly. heard of anything, but I've been very busy today too and I haven't listened well, to a lot of news stories. But. but again, I would worry too about kind of Connecticut and some of those other areas that got a little more – I mean, it's a big deal. And now you got to dig mm-hmm. out and if it's not going to warm up at all, you you got to put the snow somewhere. Oh, he there was a 17-year-old that who hit it. something while they were tubing yeah. on Monday night in Huntington, New York. Um, an 83-year-old man suffered from dementia. He was found uh, frozen to death in his backyard. Oh, wow. Yeah. So there's at least two deaths mm-hmm. blamed on the storm. Which is, again, 
what we were talking about, we're very fortunate. Because, mm-hmm. you know, other other blizzards 10 years ago, what was it, Six years, 54 people died. I mean, this is a oh, big yeah. deal. Yeah. But there's snow reported of like 16 inches in Portland, Maine, 21 inches in Hudson, New Hampshire. Wow. 28 and a half inches in Orient on New York Long, wow. on, the, on the Long Island sound there. Just, that's a lot of snow. That is a lot of snow on an island. I don't think too. I've ever seen that much snow in one at one no. time. Well, if if it come got, down anyway, if it if it heated up on Long Island, it would be underwater again. It wouldn't be an island again. Oh, you would think so. It would just sink. Yeah, but you know, you know, people had to if they were trying to get anywhere this morning, and I don't know when because at eleven o'clock last night in New York, you weren't allowed on the streets. Oh yeah. Ticketed. So when bucks. I'm, I'm wondering why why the Today Show people were allowed on the streets to get to work. Today. I think they, I don't in, know. in the morning they yeah they pulled the yeah but order. they got to be there at like four a.m. Yeah, so they were violating it. But you know when you when you go up to ticket the one guy walking down the street and it's Matt Lauer, he can afford say? it. Yeah, but you're just <laughs> That's say, what I'm hey, saying, Mr. Lauer. Pleasure to meet you. <laughs> you're not going to say anything. I guess if you have a camera crew with you while you're walking to work, it's okay. It's okay. Like I was speeding the other night about ten thirty. And yeah, a cop pulls me over, and he's like, "Oh, hey, Mister Townsend, hi. You were going ten over, and then he ticketed me. Yeah, I didn't get out of it. No, I'm not Matt Lauer. Well, that's because you had other problems as well. I did. <laughs> you don't need to bring that up. But there was a guy uh, who actually took a picture. I saw it on CNN. Yeah, who he actually got one of the last flights out of New York, but he took a picture outside the airplane window. It was covered in snow and ice. He couldn't see out the window of the airplane, and he's at, he's he, oh, he, he, he tweeted scary. is hashtag is this safe? No, it's not. So they're my guess, to spray my your guess plane is, off with well, the de-icer. Yeah, but this could have been when he got onto the plane, and then oh. they usually will de-ice the plane after you know what you board the plane. Maybe it didn't matter anymore because you know they got to get everyone out of town. True. Hey. um... One of the things we're going to talk about on the show today, mm-hmm. it, not to beat a dead horse, but we're not even going to talk really about, you know, deflate gate. But we are going to talk about cheating. Well, yes. And I was told cheaters never prosper. Never win? Well, unless, apparently, unless they're, you know, going to steal gold from a museum. Oh, well, this these guys were terrible. What are they doing? Tell us well, the story. Well, you had three guys wearing ski masks. They They drive an SUV into the lobby of the Wells Fargo Museum. This isn't a bank. No. This is the Wells Fargo Museum in San Francisco, and they're stealing gold nuggets out of the museum. Sad. Yeah. It's on uh, the museum's on Montgomery Street in San Francisco, and it's on the site of the first Wells Fargo that opened in 1852. And you drive an SUV. I mean, this is this is a historic site. How do they know it was real gold and not like fool's gold? Well, they had an impressive display of gold dust and ore from California's gold country, Uh and there was there was a special collection of gold rush letters carried by hundreds of express companies. Mm -hmm. So, but you could you could actually see the stuff from inside from outside the. The, the door that they drove through. But what they did, they left the SUV in there. Oh, they did? They did. They didn't drive the SUV Was back out. They rental? just drove it through. I have no idea. They just probably thought they And supposedly so they gold. drove another car away. They're looking for three men in a white Ford Taurus. Oh, man. Who were last seen heading eastbound across the Bay Bridge. I bet they're going to go get their teeth done. Mm-hmm. They're going to get that bling and put it on there. They're going to make a grill. A big gold grill. Do you remember when James wore his big gold grill Oh, I grill do remember that, yes. And he talked with a lick. Uh-huh. That was great. Those mm-hmm. were the days, James. Luckily, though. really good. <laughs> oh, uh, 
Well, somebody thought you looked good, but I don't know who. who, who. He hasn't done that for years. True. <laughs> uh, luckily, though, none of the stagecoaches, they, they have historic stagecoaches yeah. in this museum. None of those were damaged. By a Tahoe. By, yeah, by, <laughs> by the SUV. Oh, man. But I, I saw a story on the news. I saw this a picture of this on the news site. Big black SUV it's crashed, crashed right, right through, through it. and it's just it's terrible. See, I can't again, believe somebody does that. Well, you know what? We're going to find out who does that. Because uh, instead of just talking about Deflate Gate, instead of just talking about you know Lance Armstrong, we'll, we'll get to it after this break. But there was an article that Lance talked about. You know, if he had to do it all over again, what would he do? I would do? do it again. Yeah. So what? You lost seven. You had you had seven incredible trophies, victories. Yeah. Taken back, but he'd do it all again. We're going to figure out why. We're going to figure out what happens to our minds, our brains that might drive us to cheat or might drive us to do things that even put our lives in jeopardy, even become addicted. We've got an expert. Uh, Gordon Bruins going to be joining us and walking us through the mind of, you know, cheaters, addicts, how our minds play games. More when we come back, my friends. We're getting into it in deep right here on the Matt Townsend Show right after this break right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know what? It's uh, it's been quite uh, quite a ride when it comes to the the sports world. The NFL they've had you know scandal stories about abuse. Stories about deflation of footballs. We're seeing it, and it's running rampant. That may, rampant. That maybe it's easier to cheat. Uh, maybe it's easier to n- just not treat people with character. And I wanted to talk about it again. Not we, none of us know what happened with Deflate Gate, and um, you know, Patriots are already paying the price for that uh, for whatever happened. Um, but there are some real stories that have happened that we do have information on. And I wanted to get to that and, and talk a little bit about the mind of a cheater and talk about the mind even of what happens to us that we might be willing to throw away our family, our credibility, you know, our integrity, our name, even the chance to make money uh, simply to win. And uh, where this all came from, I was reading an article on ESPN.com about Lance Armstrong. It came out uh, today, in fact, that Lance basically said, it, he remember, he was stripped of his seven Tour de France victories and banned for life from professional cycling in 2012. Um, he, he says, if I was racing in 2015, no, I would not do it again. So if I were racing right now, I wouldn't do it again. However, he says, um, you know. Because things have changed. Times have changed. We don't. He says, he said, because I don't think you have to do it again. If you take me back to 1995, when it was completely and totally pervasive, the cheating, he said, I'd probably do it again. So if he went back to his thinking patterns of 1995, he would probably just do it all again. He'd fall into the same pattern, which might say something about our thinking and how our thinking impacts this. But it kind of it blew us away because you you would think 
you know, maybe it was just a weird anomaly or maybe it was, you know, just a mistake and you couldn't get out of it. But our guest today, uh, Gordon Bruin is his name, and he's been on the show before. He has a website called innergold.com, and Gordon is, has, a, has a master's degree. He's a clinical mental health counselor. He's an American board-certified licensed professional counselor, counselor who specializes in the education and treatment of addiction issues. And he's been on the show before. Um, he's the author of a great book called The Language of Recovery. Uh, just wonderful insights into, into what kind of leads us and, and how we think and end up talking and, and processing addiction. But he also has a new book that will be coming out in about a year called The Art of Self-Mastery. Um, and The Art of Self-Mastery, Five Key Strategies to Overcome uh, Any Self-Defeating Behavior or Addiction. Actually, that's not even coming out in a, in a year. It's coming out in a month. In February, five key strategies to overcome any self-defeating behavior, which, by the way, cheating on such on almost any level is a self-defeating behavior, it seems like. Gordon Bruin, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Thanks, Matt. It's good to be here. I mean, what do you, what's your take? When you just look at the NFL, I mean, again, it's, it's really probably a really interesting microcosm of the rest of us. I mean, it's a good sampling. Not everyone in the NFL is cheating. Right. And again, we don't know what happened with the, the Patriots, but they're kind of getting thrown under the bus they have had other problems right right but there were also i mean we've had mark mcguire sammy sosa in baseball i mean major league baseball this is this is commonplace in a way i guess it's common in life right so talk about it what is it that makes somebody be willing to do something that's so self-defeating well when you look at our society and the pressure that that is placed upon us in order to succeed and then you understand how what I call the two-part brain works, it makes complete sense. I mean, there's, there's a part of the brain known as the limbic system. And, and this, this concept helps those who struggle with addictions understand what's going on and, and gives them hope in a way and some strategies right. in order to deal with it. But there's a part of the brain known as the limbic system, which is, is the survival part of our brain. This is a type of brain that's largely functioning in a lion or a tiger, and it's instinctive. Yeah. Okay. In order to survive, the, the three prime directives of the limbic system, number one is to make sure we survive, and it does that by avoiding things that are painful. Okay. And then searching for something that's pleasurable. All this happens at kind of the unconscious part of the brain. If you were to liken our two-part brain, the limbic system, and then the pre, what we'll call the prefrontal cortex yeah. to uh, the metaphor of an iceberg, 85 to 90 percent of an iceberg is underneath the water. That, yeah. right? It's submerged. It's subconscious. So we don't have direct access to it. And yet it drives a significant amount, amount of our behavior. Yeah. And uh, the limbic system, and this is so critical to understand when it comes to cheating and our behavior with addictions and so forth, doesn't have any morals or values. It doesn't exist there. Oh, interesting. See, it's kind of like, have you ever seen a lion or a tiger eating its food and yeah. looking like it feels guilty? Yeah, like, oh, I shouldn't be eating yeah. this little it, giraffe. It, the brain doesn't work that way. It's no. a higher functioning brain. So what happens with, with the pressure to succeed when one has such intense pressure and they're, they're chasing goals and financial rewards and stuff like that, it gets hooked up to that survival part of the brain hmm. and, and where it can kind of overpower the rational cognitive moral part of the brain and that drives this behavior and then it becomes it can become an addiction and an addiction the very definition of addiction is that something is 
creating some pleasure, yeah. driving for success or whatever, yeah. like in Lance's case, driving to, to win the medal. Yeah. What a great thing. And you're proud because everyone's proud. And if everyone's cheating, then you can just be – you can just, you know – Right. Rationalize it. Rationalize it. But he's not doing it even based on rationale. He's probably doing it based on the limbic brain. Right. The drive to succeed survive. in order to survive. And, and that the pleasure that's, that's yeah. achieved when you succeed, it just gets all hooked up in that survival part of the brain. And so when you start thinking, gosh, is this moral to do? Is this, in, is this the thing of integrity to do? Should right. I, is it the right thing to do? The, that part of the brain's not functioning when this behavior is driven. Same thing with with a chemical addiction or a, right. a pornography addiction, something like that. It's or just, just driven. or just making a mistake that's totally against your character, right? Because the opportunity's there, or the high is there, or right. like having an affair because your chemistry's firing, right? And now you're not thinking anymore. Now you're just reacting, right? And so, so learning about the two-part brain and educating people about it helps them if, if, again, back to the definition of an addiction is you're doing something that creates a lot of pleasure and there's some negative consequences that start to unfold mm-hmm. as time goes on. Yeah. And then you make a commitment to stop that behavior because you're tired of those negative consequences. And then in spite of the negative consequences, the behavior continues. Right. See, and so that is is what the the core definition of an addiction is, and and it's it, just that cycle. Yeah, and, and yet we just we we always look at them like like it's a value judgment. Like you just just have character, right? But you're really trying to break that cycle of the brain, right? Because that part of the brain is not the part that's been functioning somehow in his life that this drive to succeed and win and win and win at all costs becomes associated with survival. At least that makes sense yeah. to me. Oh sure. In, 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 in a well, I mean, way to and I, I guess that, that's the interesting thing about each one of the cases is they're probably all different. I mean, there's there's a big difference between Aaron Hernandez, who was sadly also a patriot, uh, who was indicted in August 2013 for murder, that's and double homicide actually. That's different than one of these spy gates or you know deflate gate, right? I mean, it, it, that's actually he's got probably bigger problems. Well, or is it still driven? I, by I the believe same it's brain? still driven by is the it? same brain, the same area that he's hooked to survive or whatever. I, yeah. I don't, I don't but know it the could details have come from of a trauma or whatever. Sure. Yeah. Or he's hooked to a gang and, and the survival that I'm connected with that. I've got it's to true. respond yeah. to this or whatever, and so it, it, it drives that behavior for oh, sure. Wow, and this is in every addict, but it's also in every. You know, it's in everybody trying to survive, even if it's antisocial. But everyone's not antisocial, right? No, no. You know, I mean, some, some, sometimes you wonder. Right. <laughs> well, n- no. The research clearly indicates that about four percent of our population, it can be called what's a sociopath, antisocial, yeah. where they literally don't seem to have a conscience and they can do whatever they want to do and they don't feel bad about yeah. it. On the other end of the spectrum, you got a small percent of the population that feels guilty about everything, uh-huh. right, and takes yeah. everyone's feelings uh, upon themselves, yeah. and, and that's, that's not healthy either. Really Most guilty. of us, we're, we're on that spectrum somewhere. But trying to stay balanced and live a healthy life, that's what, what it, when I come back to the art of self-mastery and those who are struggling with an addiction, if you can get them to the point to start communicating and and be able to really take a look at the behaviors that are happening – most people are able to say what I did was wrong. Right. You know, Lance's case is really interesting. Yeah. If you listen to his dialogue and the interviews he's had, he's 
I think there's, you He's, know, it's yeah. not up to me to judge him, but it seems like there's more going on with him yeah. that always seems to go back to this. It's time to leave me alone now and free me up from my, yeah. you know, okay. let's get out yeah, of the party boxes. I've done yeah. my dues. Do you think it, is there something about, you know, higher level athletes that might, I mean, it, you're on a different scale. Right. Your your fall is so much bigger. So it seems like your fear of uh, failure or your fight or flight might be even more heightened. Well, and and hence, the more reason to keep it underground. That's they why those it. who struggle at at this such an intense level, if they're if they're doing something yeah. wrong, they got to keep it secret because of the fear of failure. And if the fear the fear of that fall, like you say. And and then it's made public, and, and that's yeah. why people keep it underground, it. Yeah. which drives addiction in and of itself. And so that's that's the quest. We need to kind of change that so we can talk more openly about the issues that are confronting us today in a more healthy way, rather than you know it, it's taboo to talk about this, that, or the right. other. Right. Right. It's that's why. Take uh, all of the gates aside, Spygate, all that stuff, um, and Mark Sosa or Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, Tiger Woods affairs that brought him down. All of these kind of destructive behaviors. In the end, there's something at the root, and that's really what I want you to to explore with this. There's something that every human could have. It's not just left up to you know star athletes and star organizations. It's right. any one of us could get into this fight or flight brain, right. and it could start to create an addiction. Right. Okay, we're going to take a break and come back more with Gordon Bruin, uh, again, the author of an upcoming book that will be out in February. The new book is called The Art of Self-Mastery, Five Key Strategies to Overcome Any Self-Defeating Behavior or Addiction. This is The Matt Townsend Show. We will be right back after this break. Welcome back, everybody. If you're just about to lose your mind, be careful, because you're going to hear it through the grapevine. Every time I hear that song, I think of just purple little grapes dancing with sunglasses on, or raisins, sorry. Uh, You know, they used to be grapes. Aged in the sun. California sweet raisins. Sean, does this bring back memories or what? Oh, yes. Lots. I grew up in California, and the California Raisins were all over the TV oh, yeah. when I was growing up. They were even in Utah. And they sang this song. Oh, yeah. And they have great moves, great rhythm. Oh, yeah. They remind me of James when he starts to dance, you know? <laughs> that head bob. Yeah, that head mm-hmm. bob. It's all over the place. Hey, but you got to be careful. When you're losing your mind, uh, you know what? There might be more to that. A lot of times, and we're not understanding this, but our addictions, our, our self-defeating behaviors— they're, they're driven by patterns in our brain and different parts of our brain. Our guest today, Gordon Bruin, is, is with us. And Gordon, is a, he has a master's degree. He's a clinical, a clinical mental health counselor, CMHC. But he's also an American board certified licensed professional counselor who specializes in the education and treatment of addiction issues. He's also a program services manager for 
Utah County Division of Substance Abuse. He's done that for 10 years. And also the author of uh, two books. One book is The Language of Recovery, which is a book we talked about on uh, months ago on the show. And another one today is The Art of Self-Mastery, Five Key Strategies to Overcome Any Self-Defeating Behavior or Addiction. That book will be coming out in February. And uh, Gordon, it's, it's a pleasure to have you. It's great to have somebody that, that can help us with this. Let's just not talk about the inflation of a football or the deflation of the football. Let's talk about why some people, and again, we don't know what's going on with the Patriots. I really want, I don't know why. I just, I feel bad because watch it come out and it was a scam. And the Seahawks were doing it to try to bait the, anyway. It was a bait and switch deal. I don't know. But really what I want to get to is, you know, it's, there's a lot of people that, are self-defeating and caught up in addiction. And we all have family members that do it. And some are cheating and some are lying. I just had one that uh, we just talked to the other day that we know is an addict, heroin addict. And they they had us go pick something up for him. And when we picked it up, I was worried Mm -hmm. because I'm like, well, how did they get this? I mean, this is expensive. And they're an addict and they don't have money. So then you start wondering, did they steal this? Right. And it's sad because they don't want this, but they're caught in that spiral that I guess you're talking about where um, the fight or flight brain kicks in. And it's really all it's about survival. Right. Talk to us. Talk to us well, a little bit more. Is it about the chemistry that that gives our brain or is it just about the behavior we get addicted to? Well, I believe it's a combination. And we now know that all addiction originates from the same area of the brain. It is a place in the limbic system, you know, our survival, it's our all survival there. brain. That's where it originates. Okay. So if, and it has to do, yeah, our brain has a built-in pharmacy where we have little things called neurotransmitters in our brain. There's about a hundred different ones okay. that do different things. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, you've heard of them, serotonin, norepinephrine, yeah. and things like, like that. Like dopamine is that one? Dopamine is the chemical associated with pleasure. And when we start to experience the flood of dopamine, it's the chemical that says, I got to have more of this. And yeah. so it, in the brain, in the limbic part of the brain, there's another little place called the hippocampus, which is mainly involved in memory. Okay. So that when we have experiences that are associated with pleasure, the limbic system also understands it. And that's why we can be driven towards certain, certain things outside of what we want. Right. And right. so people who struggle with addictions literally feel like there's two parts of them that are fighting against each other. Oh, and so, and, and what we've been doing in the past in our culture for so many years has been trying to fight that. Right. And because it's associated with survival, whatever the particular drug of choice is, yeah. it doesn't matter. It can be food. It can be chemical addiction. Sex. It sex, could be anything. Yeah. Fame. It, it, fame. The ex- gambling, the yeah. exact same thing. It doesn't matter what the addiction is. It's, it's if we fight it, we have a tendency simply to make it stronger. That's, that's why when you tell someone who is struggling with an addiction that they must stop it, Commit to me that you'll never, ever do that again, that there's a part within them that will rebel even more against that. Yeah. And that's where the, the key strategies to the art of self-mastery come into play. I have I've spent so many hours through the years working with good individuals that are struggling with addiction issues, and they all come in, in, in their first couple of sessions and will say to me, 
And first of all, it takes a lot to get someone in the door, yeah. right? Yeah. So they've already been through so many times in the past where they have made the commitment to stop the behavior through confession cycle, um, after cycle, after cycle, promising a spouse, whatever. They want to be done with it once and for all. And I have to teach them that that has to change. The way, the way you're oh, approaching yeah. it, you need to have a paradigm shift because I will ask them, How's that been working for you through the years? How many times have you committed to stop doing this behavior? And they will just laugh and say hundreds, if not thousands. And and again, how's that been working for you? And that's mainly it doesn't work because the more you push against it, the more, I guess, subconsciously you're feeling threatened. So it's going to dig in deeper. Exactly. And because, play it's harder. The, because it's the survival yeah, part it's of the brain. Survive. The limbic system has associated the drug of choice with the very survival of the person. And, and, and so the brain, the, the amygdala in the brain that's in the limbic system also is associated with fight or flight. Okay, The brain right. only knows two things to do, either let the addiction in and do its thing, act out, right. or try to fight it. Yeah. You know, fight or flight. You try to run away from it, it doesn't matter either. There's a third option that is the answer that's more powerful than either of those two. And that's, that's, that's in one of the keys in, in, in the art of self-mastery. And by the way, they can go to your website, innergold.com, to, to get the book. It's right. going to be out in February. Right. Um, is it uh, – that's interesting because then I guess if my brain is used to having me do a certain habit or pattern – that brain, my brain just knows that eventually at the end of that pattern, like a mouse in a, you know, in a maze, it's eventually going to get payday. It's but eventually going to get the high. It, it does. But here's the interesting thing. It, and this is why we use the statement that one time is too many and a thousand never enough. Uh-huh. Or you can never get enough of what you don't need because what you don't need will never truly satisfy you because the two-part brain – works in conjunction with each other, we can never truly be satisfied when we're constantly driving after addictive behavior. I was work, oh, talking to a, uh, a client who's a heroin addict also, yeah. and they have a statement in, in those who struggle with, with heroin called chasing the dragon's tail. Mm-hmm. And we were in group therapy, and another client says, what do, you, what do you mean by chasing the dragon's tail? He says that when you get the first high from using a particular drug, it is so powerful so tremendously amazing yeah, overwhelming. That, that you are always chasing that. But here's the problem. You can never quite achieve that same again. high again. And then it goes down and down and down. And, and the interesting thing is the more that we seek for instant gratification, yeah. the less capacity we have to experience true joy in life. And so it starts to play against one. And that's why those who struggle with addiction are miserable because this healthy, moral, rational part of their brain Mm -hmm. is not happy with what's going on. But that's where these key strategies come in that we are going to teach the prefrontal part of the brain to rewire it, how to manage the limbic system, not to crush, kill, destroy, yeah, not which, react we, to it. which we've been trying to do yeah. for years and years when people with the best intentions say, stop doing that behavior. Yeah. It, it, it just it, it's isn't counter, It's counterproductive. Right. Is it um, – but yet I assume somebody like Lance as he's going through this is also, you know, as he was cheating number one, cheating number two, winning the jerseys, winning the jerseys, winning the jerseys. He knows what he's – he knows he's cheating – 
Do, do we just then get back in our higher brain and start making up stories and rationalizations and justifications? Or do we? Do you think he was feeling stuck, trapped, addicted? Well, I think he was feeling. And again, I don't know. Yeah. This yeah, is just conjecture. That I don't. I don't know him, but. It, it seems like that part of his brain was simply driving everything, that this part, even when I hear the conversations that he is doing yeah. right now, I'm not so sure this thing, uh, the it's, prefrontal, is really firing on all cylinders. It's yeah. always like he owns some responsibility, but then he's blaming everyone else around him at exactly the same time. But the team did this yeah. and this happened, and rather than saying, I really messed up. Yeah. You see, in order to begin the process of healing, you take absolute 100% responsibility and accountability for your actions, not, a, you know, it's not someone else's fault here or there. Right. And, and that's a sign. You have to of, own that, don't you? Yes, yes. And that's a sign that there's hope in, in restructuring the way the brain works and learning how to manage it through these five strategies. And so you've given us five strategies that uh, you, you, you kind of have alluded to them, and we're going to come back and talk about them. But just as a rundown, the five steps are what? Awareness, yeah. acceptance, surrender, mindfulness, and faith. Now, I, I know those might seem like, oh, I've heard all those things oh, yeah, before. I know that. There is a depth and breadth to those five key strategies that can only be understood through time and, and through practicing them over and, and you over have again. exercises for each yes. of those, too. Yes. So, I mean, that, and that's all in the book, Five Keys, right? Or uh, The Art of Self Mastery. Yes. Wow. Okay, we need it. And again, whether this isn't. You know, this is probably not going to just be a problem for the one boy that cheats the one time on the test. But, you know, if you fail the test and can't get into your college of choice, cheating is going to become a really fight or flight, survival driven thing. And then you might, I guess you could even just get in the habit of doing it a lot. Yes, because here, here's the challenge. Crime really does pay it in works. most of the time. Yeah. You, you, you only get caught a, a few, right. uh, you know, a few amounts uh, So it kind of, of pays societally. Yeah, it, it doesn't it does. pay in your psyche. No, it doesn't. And, 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 it, and it destroys the integrity of a person. But, boy, it, yeah, it, n- it, nobody knows. It, you, 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 the chance of getting caught, it's kind of slim. That's and the that's problem. And that's interesting. That's probably why so many people are all over the deflate game because, no, they, you can't let the cheater win. Yeah. Let's help them. Or let's at least stop him. Uh, great stuff. With Gordon Bruin, we're going to take a break. Come back. Uh, remember, go to his website, innergold.com, innergold.com. We will be back to uh, get in-depth on these five steps, you know, see if we can't reduce some of our own self-defeating behavior. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody. Would I lie to you? Yeah, I would. If my brain was getting a high and I felt threatened and that high was medicating my fear and making me feel stronger, I'd lie all over the place. I would just lie to your face, which is apparently what happens when we corner James. He feels so threatened. He'll say anything. Won't you, James? Probably. Maybe. It's good to have you on the show today, James. Uh, It's great to be here. I was wondering where you were yesterday. You know, still doing my thing. I uh, last week was meditation on top of a mountain, and uh, yeah, 
this time it was ice fishing. Well, just because we have Gordon here, uh, who is a board American board certified licensed professional counselor who specializes in the education of treatment and addiction. I, I thought you ought to tell him what you're really doing. <laughs> ice fishing. It's great. We're having an intervention right here. Okay. Because we just we don't see you for days on end. Yeah. And you say you're ice fishing. Mm-hmm. Even though there's no ice. Well, it is January. Where do you go ice fishing? Up in the mountains. <laughs> okay. See, Gordon, we need to work with him. So um, just turn off your mic then, James, and we're going to fix you. Okay. But you just listen. I'll take notes. Gordon's here. Uh, Gordon Bruin is his name. He's been on the show. He's a great friend of the show and uh, an expert in helping people with self-defeating behavior. He wrote a book that will be out in February called The Art of Self-Mastery, Five Key Strategies to Overcome Any Self-Defeating Behavior or Addiction. Gordon, welcome to the show. Thanks. And again, go to the website, innergold.com. You can you can get that book. Is it February 1st it'll be out? Oh, we're still working I know. on the last stages of editing. And you just, you, it, it never ends, does there it? There you go. But don't let it turn on your limbic system. All right. So we've been learning about our brain, and uh, Gordon has put together a program in his many tw- – how many years have you been working with uh, people? About 20, 22. 22 years yeah. of, of dealing with addiction. I mean, that's a big deal because the, it's – and every one of us could fall into the self-defeating behavior. Right. And um, But you have a five-step kind of process that right. helps us fight the addiction. Maybe just run through the steps. I mean, I know you can't – do it justice, but okay. teach us what we could be doing if we know that we're in a, in a hole or a spiral of self-defeating behavior. Okay, thanks. I, you know, I get really excited when I talk about these five key strategies because I have seen over and over again the response that this information can have yeah. on an individual that's been struggling for years and years with addiction. So real briefly, I'll try to encapsulate these yeah. five key strategies. The first is awareness. Awareness training means that we increase the capacity to, to live in the present moment. Einstein once said, that, you know, for us physicists, the distinction between past, present, and future is only an illusion, hmm. although a very convincing one. So the only thing that we ever have is the present moment. But because we live in this thing called time, we're connected to this thing called the future, and we're also connected to the past. Okay, but the future is just a concept. It doesn't really exist. We're always rolling through time, and so the only time we can ever do anything is in the present moment Mm. or be anything. And so we do a lot of work helping individuals become more grounded in the now. Um, You could see how somebody like Lance Armstrong, three, you know, stolen yellow jerseys in, three wins into the uh, third year of winning the Tour de France. You could see that he now has to win, cheat on the fourth. Because of the past. Right. Or he has to do it because of the future, because right. what will happen in my future. Exactly. So that, though going to the past and the future would keep him out of the only place he could right. fix this. And, and what most people do, unfortunately, is spend their time living in the now, in the past or the future, just like you right. indicated. Yeah. So they're stuck there. They're worrying about all the things that the future, full of anxiety, or they're thinking about all the mistakes they've made yeah. in the past. And and so we help them realize that the only time that really matters is right now. And we get away from the idea of counting time, how long someone's been sober, right. seems to be counterproductive. Yeah. Yeah. And the only thing that you need to do is, is focus on today. That leads us to the second key, which is key strategy, which is acceptance or acknowledgement, simply meaning that we must acknowledge the fact that 
the natural man, the, the limbic part of the brain responds the way that it does. It always will. We are attracted to certain things hmm. based on pleasure and avoiding pain. For someone who struggles with a sexual addiction, for example, they, they need to accept the fact that they are going to still be triggered from time to time. It's not the issue yeah. at all. And many individuals who struggle with this, with that addiction or pornography or sexual addiction is that they, they feel they've lost everything just because they've had a thought or a trigger. Everyone has strange thoughts right. from time to time. And, and, and yet people tend to think they're the only ones that think certain things. No, we all have strange thoughts that come in or addictive thoughts that yeah. can pop in. That's not the issue. But if you understand the limbic system and what it does, and one of the things that, that we, we do right at the, the, the outset with those that are struggling with an addiction is help them identify what's called the addictive voice. And it's very easy to do, okay? I will ask the individual to, to think about their addiction mm-hmm. or the thing that re- they're getting pleasure from, and I'm going to make a statement to them. And I said, I'm going to make a statement to you, and I want you just to pay attention to what thoughts come into your mind or how you feel. And then this is the statement. Never, ever at any time in the future can you do that again or have that again. What do you hear or feel? Mm. And the response is always frustration, anger. You can't tell me what to do. I want it even more and so forth. So that is the limbic part of the brain that responded to that question. And so in the limbic part of the brain, because the two-part brain works in concert with each other, and the limbic part of the brain must get the higher brain's permission to do something because the higher part of the brain is the part that works our arms, our legs, our hands, and our feet. Mm. It's just really good at doing that. And so in the future, when an individual has, identifies, they're aware enough, they accept that they have a trigger, then they simply identify it and acknowledge it saying, there it is, at a T there to the is. I. Instead, Instead of, of I. I want to go do this thing, it, my limbic system by nature wants to do that. So you're, you're almost taking it, it's not you anymore, it's your system. Exactly. It's the way my it's brain is working. Right. And the Dr. Jeffrey Swartz out of UCLA School of Medicine uses this technique with those who struggle with severe OCD issues, and it's, it's had a tremendous impact mm. on healing. And instead of in the past, what we've tried to do in therapy is get people to stop thinking certain things. Yeah. We don't know how to do that. Yeah. And so we can understand now that you can learn to behave in certain ways in spite of the way the emotions and feelings are. That's not the issue, which leads us to the third key. So all these keys kind of bleed into yeah. each other, fit into each other. The third key is a paradoxical concept that that is challenging to teach and more challenging to understand is the concept of surrender. Meaning that when you acknowledge that you have a trigger, then you go to the next level and you say, don't fight it. And then you go, well, how do I not fight it? I've been taught all my life I can't do this behavior. Stop that. that. No, you simply – so if I were to have a trigger, I would just say, oh, there it is. And here's the third option to the brain that the brain has to be taught how to do. Usually it's fight or flight. The third option, which supersedes and is more powerful than any of the others, is do nothing with the thought. Just let it be. Let it be. When you recognize that it's coming from the limbic part of the brain associated with, be, with, with pleasure, and there's no morals or values there, then you don't need to feel guilty about yeah. it. And so it frees one up from that, oh, I'm such a bad person mm-hmm. because I have this craving or this thought. So no matter what the thought is, just let it be. It cannot do a thing to you. It, could, it would just sit there, I guess, and evaporate eventually? 
And sometimes you have to coexist with it. Yeah. No, it's not just fighting it to it, yeah. make it go away. It's just letting it be. Mm. It's acknowledging it and letting it be. It's you see, just even yeah. your question, that, that's, that's the way our brain that's goes. Exactly. Oh, so it's going to go away? Gotta, no, no, no. It's not going to go away. Mm-hmm. But it, in time, it will lessen, but it will always be there trying to get back in. It's like a scar. Like if you ever – I got hit as a teenager right on my eyebrow – and I had a scar there, and it was so frustrating because as a kid, you don't want to look different. You don't want to be scarred. And every time I would look at it, it would create this reaction in me. Right. But there's nothing you can do with it. Right. So it's almost like you just accept it. Right. And it's still there. Right. And then all of a sudden, it's still there, and it still might not be something you want, but whatever. You, you can coexist and go forward in yeah. spite of it. Kind of reminds me, and this is what we talk about in therapy a lot of times, is um, the movie War Games. You ever remember yeah. that? Oh, 19, yeah. I yeah. think, 85, Matthew Broderick. Yeah. At the end, you know, it was the computer was going to take over and destroy the world, global nuclear thermal war. Right. And so it was going through all these scenarios before it was going to shoot off missiles and destroy the world. And it's learning and learning and learning if we do this, because it, it had to win. It had to win, like right. fighting an addiction. And the classic line is it, this is a strange game, Right. The only way to win is not to play. And so that's kind of briefly a little bit about what surrender is. But I say there's a depth and breadth to this. It's not ignoring it. It's just saying there it is. You're allowing it to be there and – Exactly. You can't ignore it because it needs to be – have it respected and, and given its name. Fourth key, mindfulness. This is where we do go in our mind's eye into the future and create what's called a future vision statement and learn Learn how to create in the mind's eye what we desire in the future. It's critical, you know, that yeah. we have a vision in, in, in the future, and it's a lot more involved in that. But, but we, I guess that's taking you somewhere than just sitting neutrally. Yes. Now you can start, once you're comfortable having surrendered, you can start moving towards Exactly. It. You have to have something that you're working for, and so yeah. we have what's called the daily planning sheet, te- teaching individuals how to do things in a small and simple thing, and, and we teach a very powerful and strategic form of meditation that helps one to watch their thoughts, mm. which we're not taught how to do anywhere. No, no. And this will teach you to recognize the first addictive thought. There's an individual I've been working with who struggled with pornography addiction for years. He has now been totally 100% clean and sober for two years. Wow. And I said, how have you done that? And he said that it's because I now recognize the first thought that pops into my mind. I acknowledge it, and I have triggers all the time. He says, that's not the issue. I've learned what to do with them, and I don't fight them. Oh, that's powerful. And then the fifth and final key is faith. Now, I'm not talking about Sunday school faith. I'm talking about faith as an intelligent, benevolent, powerful force in the universe, the intelligent force that that some have said within which God himself has learned to manage and do his Mm. work. And if we connect to this power associated with our future vision statement, learning how to base that on these first three keys of, of first of all, being aware, accepting it for what it is, and surrendering, people oh, are getting better. It's powerful. very, very powerful stuff. It is powerful. And Gordon, I mean, it's, it's worth it. Everybody go to the website, innergold.com. We're all, we've all got something, some self-defeating behavior, some addiction, some thoughts we just need to, to start noticing and, just, and, and, and get safe and comfortable there. Again, Gordon, thank you so much you for bet. being with Great us. Great to be here. Go to Inner Gold and be looking for that new book, The Art of Self-Mastery, Five Key Strategies to Overcome Any Self-Defeating Behavior or Addiction. It'll be out in February. We're going to take a break, my friends. Again, so much to learn here. We'll be right back after this break on The Matt Townsend Show.
Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to hour number two of the Matt Townsend Show and the Coach's Corner. Today on the show, we have uh, we've spent one hour talking about not about Deflate Gate, but about cheating. Again, everybody is susceptible to you know a lack of character here and there. Mm-hmm. Just had a wonderful interview with Gordon Bruin, who talked about our brain and how our brain works, but. You know, it's tough. Uh, coming up, too, Meg will be joining us. That's Meg true. Conley will yeah. be teaching us about how to teach your kids about, you know, the importance of, of not cheating. Basically, really more how to find out who they are enough that they don't need to cheat on anything. But one thing is the relationship guy that I am, because I don't know if you know this, but I'm a pretty big deal. Uh, I'm, a, I'm actually not even a pretty big deal. I'm a very big deal in the relationship world. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, normally, we'd have a little bumper that comes up that Ron Burgundy. Kind of a big deal. Wow. wow. That was really good, huh? Sounded It sounded like Ron Burgundy with like a little throat problem. <laughs> you know, a little cold. A little chest cold. <laughs> it's just close. Um, I get that a lot. Do you? Yeah. Yeah, you're a lot like Ron Burgundy, but with just a little ch- chest cold. <laughs> yeah. Kind of a big thing. <laughs> hey, uh, I wanted to talk about... Your partner, and um, they might be cheating online. What? It sounds negative. And I really, I always worry about James. Yeah. Because, you know, it's just our little, I don't know why I use such a diminutive word, little like that. I mean, like, he's not little. But it's just our new little cherub-like, clean-cut boy who's about to go get married someday. You know. He found his girlfriend, Makonka, which is... Uh, Don't they make little trucks that yeah, people play with? Yeah, that's a Matonka. Okay. This is Makonka. It's the same family. But um, I, I always feel bad because I don't want him to like think, oh, they always talk about the negative things about relationships. But no. But Facebook, you know, social media, the tech world is making cheating on your spouse even easier. Oh. So today I've got six signs that your partner is Facebook cheating on you. Okay. Is there a definition for Facebook cheating? Well, using Facebook to cheat and find another. Now, oh. By the way, you can't mess with Facebook because mm-hmm. when you go connect to an old friend that you haven't seen for years mm-hmm. and you loved him in high school and the chemistry was hot for like a 14-year-old. Oh, yeah. Um when you go back and try to reignite that relationship, you're not igniting it based on today's facts. You're basing it on last year's chemistry or the history, year, the history, 20 years right? ago. Yeah, the past. You're, you're looking at the past. And so you're going to be chemically charged no matter what. So six signs that your partner is Facebook cheating. And by the way, this could probably apply to any type of online activity if they're cheating on you. So by the you way, could be Twitter cheating? Yeah, Pinterest they call cheating? that tweeting. Tweet eating. Tweeting. Inst- Instagram cheating? Insta cheating. Yeah. Tinder cheating. Mm-hmm. Pinterest cheating. You're pinning other people's pins. Yeah. Pin cheating. Pin cheating, yeah. <laughs> it's like bin cheating, but it's pin cheating. Uh, by the way, this is by... Um, snap, snap cheating, even. <laughs> snap cheating. Yeah. We, you guys, there's a lot of them we could do. We can, I'm going to say we I'm keep just gonna going. I'm going to get to it now, though. Link, linked cheating? <laughs> uh, we, we could go on. Yeah. I oh. kind of wish you wouldn't. Okay. Stop it. Um, anywho, uh, here they are. By this is Andrea uh, Bonnier put this together in Friendship 2.0 is the name of her blog, I guess. Okay. Here we go. He has, and I don't know why they're saying it's a he. 
because I'm going to just make it he or she. He is often lost in thought within his texting conversation and never shares what they're about. So when he's reading Ooh. his Facebook page, he's lost in thought. You know how James gets when yes. Makanka calls mm-hmm. and we can't get him back for like an hour? Even though he's there, he's sitting there. Yeah. And his eyes are like spinning. Yeah. If somebody's lost in thought and they don't come back and say, oh, you have got to see this. This is the funniest video ever. Or this is what I was just reading. Then they, they're disconnected from you and lost in thought. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of us have spouses that are lost in thought when they're on social media. I get that way. Yeah. But I guess but you probably then include Cindy. I try to, yeah. 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 And you're like, oh, you've got I will to share this. Things. This is the funniest thing. Yeah. Yeah. So if your partner is lost in thought while texting or anything like that, and then they never come back and talk to you about it or share it or invite you into the circle, it's a big deal. If he gets texts all hours of the night, including the night, if in the middle of the night his phone's going off and That's he's weird. getting up to go text. I have I have been woken up by my phone with yeah. a notification alert. Have you? Usually it's an email from somebody that I yeah. didn't care about. By the way, you so called that's... me really early today. Yeah, but you were here already. I know, but I didn't know you'd know that. <laughs> it was really early. <laughs> it was before James even woke up. Yeah. Yeah. Was wrapping up his REM sleeping. I was uh, getting breakfast ready, actually. What a great dad. Next time, bring something in. <laughs> I got here so early that I didn't even eat. Hey, uh, another one is if he's um, if you're awakened to see him on Facebook or on his phone, but then he quickly puts it away. You know, Ooh. James does that. Like when we're like, hey, Jay, hey, and he puts his phone away. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you got to push some buttons. That's how we knew he had uh, M- McCormick. That's the, how we knew she girl? was in his life. Yeah. She's pretty spicy. If he's very physically possessive of his phone or his iPad. I just skipped right over that, James. Did you notice that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to. But that, I would think that would be a sign of. Just any sort. I mean, if if you don't, if you can't share your phone with your partner, there's any trust issue there. Yeah, I mean, I'm a big believer that you should have a password to your partner's phone. Yes, I agree. Transparency and your kids and your kids and you know what? While we're at it, throw in your mother-in-law. Okay, and your mother-in-law's phone. Well, my mother-in-law is in Ohio, so I don't care. All the more reason. Yeah, you can't even keep an eye on her. Uh, If people are too possessive about their devices and they're hiding and they're hiding something from you, you know what? That's a sign. You see people commenting on his Facebook wall and sharing inside jokes, yet you don't have you don't have any idea who these people are. See, that's that's weird. <laughs> but I I I've seen I've I've looked at the friends list on my wife's Facebook page. Yeah. But you know, a lot of them are from work where she works, so I have no idea who they are. Yeah. But see, so th- then you got to go chase that down and just say, hey, and yeah, be open. Why this am doesn't I need to be it down? well because if all of a sudden some guy named Chuck. With just this incredibly chiseled well, I, chin. I guess the fact that they, you know, they have the name of the company underneath their name yeah, is that kind makes of you feel obvious. Safe. Yeah. But if it's Chuck and he's like, "Whoa, hey, yeah, that uh, that uh, uh, polka dot bikini thing was sure funny today." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd worry about that. Okay. I mean, I don't want to get anybody freaked out. Right. And uh, last but not least, if he gets super defensive about, you know, when you start questioning about who he's talking to. And how much time he spends on his phone. If they get defensive and, like, start a fight, then you got him. Mm. Then you got him. Ouch. Then what do you do? Then you... You call the lawyer? No. Oh. Then you just... You got to get help. You got to go to a counselor. Okay. Or wherever, you know, but go somewhere. You got that, James? What about talking to the actual person? Nah. Why start that? 
No, for sure. Go talk to the person. Talk about it. Tell them about your concerns. If they're unwilling to change, if they keep hiding it. You know how many times I've had somebody deny they're in an affair, and yet you have evidence and information. You have everything lined up. So I wouldn't always trust that they're telling the truth, but just say, let's talk about it, and let's see if we can make some changes. And if they don't make changes, then guess what? Then we need help. Yeah. We need help. And sooner uh, rather than later. So anyway, just an idea. And again... We don't want to give you a downer and think have everybody questioning if their spouse is in love with someone else. They're not. But cheating's a big deal. We just learned about it. Hey, we're going to take a break. And uh, when we come back, Meg Conley is going to be in the house. She's going to uh, walk us through how to teach our kids to have a healthier uh, sense of self so they don't need to stoop to cheating and lying. Good stuff. We're going to take a break. More after this break right here on The Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, (laughs) there's just some songs and some upcoming guests that when they combine and they converge, it creates, I don't know, like the storm of the century. That song, that song, Careless Whisper by Wham! and our upcoming guest, Meg Conley, you know, hand and glove. They just fit together. Yeah, Sean. Is that why New England had to watch out yesterday? Yeah, exactly. I see. Exactly. It's exactly like that. Because today, Careless Whisper and Meg Conley. On the program, uh, you know, we're talking about cheating. And, you know, cheaters never prosper. Except for in certain situations. But like we talked about Lance Armstrong, he, you know, they took the seven, they took the seven victories away. They took the yellow jersey, all seven of them. So here's the deal. We wanted to bring in our expert, uh, our expert on cheating, Meg in progress. Meg Conley's joining us. Uh, not an expert on cheating, but an expert in just being an incredibly awesome person, a mother of two beautiful daughters and uh, wife trying to make it through life, you know, living in a house without doorknobs. And, I got uh, doorknobs. Oh, that's right. You got them. You got them. <laughs> Meg Conley, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Hello. I liked your reference to the perfect storm. Have you been following the yes. stuff going on in New York? Is that not the? Is that not incredible? But see, now New York just kind Except of, for, it, it didn't, it didn't quite work. didn't turn into anything. No. Right. No. It's Boston. Like, oh, this is just a snowstorm. That's right. Boston's another thing. But you know Why? Boston, many believe, and I don't want to start a rumor, but many believe Boston is getting so much snow because of the New England Patriots and the, defl- the, the deflate gate scandal. When you, when I you, oh. have never liked the Patriots. Oh, Belichick has always bothered me. Why? And I mean, he's just so grumpy it's, and mean. It's because he cuts his fighting. sleeves on his sweatshirt, huh? You don't yeah, like that. So Trashy, like we get it. You're too good for it to like throw that. We get it. But he's a great and, coach. Uh, sure, but like Spygate from a couple years ago. Look at you. I feel like Belichick places winning above integrity, and I have a problem with that. But I'm also biased because I'm a huge Seahawks fan. You are. You are. Like this. Yes. What? This what? Like what about the Seahawks? Right do you like? Here. I love Russell Wilson. He's amazing. Yes, he is. 
I love him. Like, talk about intensity. He's just, <laughs> and he's so cute. Like, he's so cute. <laughs> okay, okay. That's where you lost me. Because you can't talk football and get down on, you know, just, you can't get down and then go say one of them's cute. It doesn't work that way. But I do, I base my fandom on the quarterbacks. Okay. Like, are they good people? Do I like how they play the game? Like, I was a huge, I'm a huge Saints fan. I love Drew Brees. Oh, great guy. Yeah. Love Drew Brees. Yeah. You know, it's Drew's not in the Super Bowl, right? No, I know. I'm just naming other quarterbacks. Okay. Like. Other, you mean other hot quarterbacks? Drew's <laughs> an attractive man. I sure. can, I can, I can go there with you. Happily I mean, married. It, He's happily true. married. Hey, nothing, nothing wrong with looking. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but and let's be really clear. We don't know that the Patriots cheated. Oh, well, we do know that they spied. We do, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Know. They got. Yeah. That. That sure. we know. That's great. The, the football thing seems. Something's weird. It's fishy. Suspect. Right. And Bill Nye, the science guy, came out and oh. showed why it couldn't have been done That's on right. accident. Yeah. But he also no. is a Seahawks fan. It's true. Bill Nye and I, we've got, I met him in college. Really? He was like one of my first talk about crushes. Did he go to like, college with you? No, no. He, he, <laughs> he came and spoke to my college, and I was like, Starstruck. And Did, I went up to him oh. afterwards. I'm like 18, and I'm like, yeah. I've been in love with you since I was eight years old. Can you sign like, my t shirt? Okay. <laughs> That's so awkward. It is awkward. But, but here's the thing we all want to be achievers, right? Yes. You guys have been talking about like, the realm of sports, right? right, right. We all want to achieve. Uh, sports was not a place I was ever going to um, Thro- make uh, yeah. my mark. Yeah, sparkle. <laughs> I tried all of them and failed miserably. But that doesn't mean that I don't understand the lure of competition Mm -hmm. and achievement and um, notoriety, like for good or bad, right? We we all desire those things. We all want to be known for something and big time. And from a very early age. I mean, anybody who's been a child with siblings or is a parent of siblings knows that, like, that sense of rivalry, that sense of look at me, starts really early, like 18 months old, I feel like, is where I started seeing my youngest daughter kind of, like, competing for the attention um, of my oldest daughter, but also, you know, trying to push her out of the limelight a little bit. And it's all good fun, but it's very natural, and it's okay. We just need to figure out how to harness it. Well, see, that's, I mean, I think it is a natural part of, of any human and child to, like, be fame. Like, when my kids watch the NFL or the NBA, they they all want to play basketball, and they all want to be LeBron. They all want to be the big, awesome mm, stud. Yeah. That's, they're your kids? That's probably not in their future. Come again? I, I don't think I heard that right. Uh, oh, never mind. Scratch that. Okay. Uh, but it's, it, you know what? You're very right. Because, you know, uh, my children are all going to be in Hollywood, famous sure, that way. Sure, Yeah, well, they're natural good looks. And right. And, and Yes, and rugged, you know, I mean, it just ripped abs. Sure, sure. Yep, yep. That sounds about right, actually. Why are you Here. laughing? I mean, I'm, I have the sense that you're being sarcastic. No, I'm a communication expert. No. But I think what we need to do is help people understand and help our children. This is something I'm working on right now, especially with my five-year-old. She's she's in school for the first time. She has 
a peer group yep. um, consistently where she's able to see um, where she stands out and where she doesn't because we all have mm-hmm. those places, right? And and I'm noticing that the places where she stands out, she's becoming a little bit more competitive. And then the places where she uh, feels like she's not as strong, she's abandoning those things or pushing them to the yeah, side. Yeah, avoiding and, them. Right, avoiding them. And it's been heartbreaking because... Well, what is achievement? Achievement isn't being better than someone else. Achievement is being your best self, whatever mm. that means. And that sounds like such guru talk, right? Yeah, but like, true, true guru. It's true. it's true. And and I think I think that when we teach our kids to focus on that, they become achievers not just within the home, but also outside of the home. I mean, that's a recipe for all kinds of success, right? You bet. I think. Um, I think I've mentioned this quote before, but C.S. Lewis has this great quote where he says, um, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but he basically says, the minute that you stop trying to be original and you're just yourself, like you just, um, he was talking about writing in particular, but you're just writing the truths as you see them, is the moment that you truly become original, right? Yeah, yeah that's and right. So, and so I think that we can say that about accomplishment. The minute that you stop using other people as a yardstick, the minute that you focus on your strengths, strengths and also your weaknesses is the moment that you actually become a person that has achievements that, that you can name. We all want those things. It's silly to pretend that we're above that. I'm not above wanting to be good at the things that I love doing. We shouldn't try and transcend that. Yeah. We should just make sure that we're approaching it in the right direction. And make sure, I yeah, remember, not, let it, not let it drive us to, be, to do it in a fake way or to become something yeah. we're not. So I think that the first time I realized that that was a real... So so here's my problem. I wasn't really born wanting to be better than other people. I was just born <laughs> believing I just could never be good by myself at all. The, yeah. The, anything. There you go. It was that, like, yeah. there you go. There it is. There's the truth. I mean, isn't it, but that's interesting. That's the other side of the coin. So I call sure. them overs and unders. You either want to be over over right. everybody better or under. You're just too dumb and right. bad and... I just, yeah, I, I I was born with a sense of deficit instead of a sense of grandness, and yeah. that's something that I had to correct, too. But because of that, I never really understood this, like, sense of competition other people had with other people because I didn't even try and enter the race, right? Yeah, right. So, so I went to college, and I hung out with a bunch of girls for the first time in my life. And I love women. You know all I do is write about how much I love women. I know, I but, know this competitive edge that pushes us <laughs> to cheat, not just in sports, yes. not just in exams, but to cheat ourselves, right, of who we could be, um, is something that is very prevalent in 18-year-old girls. <laughs> so, huh? so when I got there, I was shocked. I would hear women talk about, you know, there was the girl on the dorm room floor who was obviously prettier than all of us. Like, are we going to pretend that doesn't exist? Of course that exists. Like, perfect skin, perfect everything, Ugh. nice to boot. It's like James. And, and she got it all days. So I just kind of worshipped her. I just wanted to be near her and learn from her. And, like, what do you do to make your blush look like that? Like, <laughs> how how do you study? I thought that that was amazing. But most of my peer group was pretty cruel to her because they felt threatened by her. There you go. So now, if she had moved on into that dorm room floor, would that have made any of us Prettier, smarter, thinner, no. more active in our dreams. So, there's nope. not only, she wasn't like taking a piece of our pie. Not that she would have anyways, because she was incredibly healthy. Yeah, she doesn't <laughs> eat pie. <laughs> <laughs> she, would have been, 
shouldn't have taken a piece of our pie. Like, there are unlimited pie slices of success and there's, achievement. There's plenty of pie to go around. Exactly. There's plenty of pie. She wasn't, like, hogging it. No. But, but the girls in my peer group at the time very much felt like, because of her existence, it lowers the nature of their existence. Hmm. And I think there, that's the core of it, right? Sibling rivalry, cheating on the exam, feeling like that you have to be the team that goes to the Super Bowl, no matter what you have to do to the football season. <laughs> hypothetically. That, allegedly. Hypothetically. I don't, I don't, are you going to get sued for that? I don't think you could. I don't think that that's a big deal. Yeah, I just want to be careful because I can't be sued this year. I've got, I'm, I've got a really good plan for this year. I just can't be sued. So, so you. This is what I love about you, though, Meg, because you're, you're going to then teach us how to instill, um, I guess, a sense of confidence in our children, yes. so they don't need to go, you know, fake it or you right. know, create so the counterfeit. Acknowledge that the problem is there, and then what do we do about it? Yeah, there are some really, really easy steps. Okay. Well, okay. we're coming. We're gonna we're gonna come back, and you're going to okay. do that. And um, okay. and again, Meg, yeah. so good to have you on the show. So good to be here, Matt. Like we're really, there. when I heard I'm you were gonna be on the show, I thought, woo, party. <laughs> we'll have to go fix that because I got really loud. Hey, yeah. we're gonna take a break, Meg, but we will be back and continue this discussion. How do we give that sense of confidence so we don't need to go steal it, cheat for it? We can just find it in ourselves. This is the Matt Townsend Show, back after this break. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Just enjoying a little Eagles. Watching James as he bobs his head up and down. And anxiously awaiting the next, uh, you know, segment with our guest, Meg Conley, from the website meginprogress.com. you got to go check out her website. She is just an incredible author, writer, and soon-to-be author, um, but has a blog that is, is making her famous. And she's not even having to cheat to get there. She just writes really salacious things. And then everybody follows it. It's amazing what sells. <laughs> it's amazing what sells. See, but you're not cheating your way up there. You are just giving people good stuff, good information. Right. And one of the things I, I hope you're going to teach us now is how do we take two precious little daughters like Zuzu and Viola and help them know that they that they need to bring their best game Achievement, as you said earlier, is being your best self. It's not necessarily beating out everybody else. Sure. Okay. So this one seems a little counterintuitive, but make sure that they lose at things. <laughs> oh, wow. We play board games all the time. And um, obviously, if we played full strength every single time, we would just like wipe the floor oh, with sure. every single time, right? Yeah. But um, we have a formula, and we make sure that um, Margaret loses at least a third of the time, if not more. <laughs> you, have, and, you actually have a number, like a third. No, well, no, I really do, because it, I found myself just letting her win all the time if I didn't actually pay attention. Well, maybe, maybe that's third, just because you're not very good at the game. Well, that's true. That's true. Maybe, I'm not just... A third to half the time, we make sure she loses, because she has to understand that there's life after loss. 
And I think that a lot of times in our culture with trophies for everyone, no matter how the soccer team did, and, you know, it's like in The Incredibles where everybody is special, no one is. Yeah. Well, well, we need to teach her that there is life after loss and that you can work harder sometimes to win again and sometimes just to lose again, but it has no bearing on your actual value or what you'll be able to do in the future. And I know it's silly, but as we've played these games with her and the first couple months, losing was very difficult for her. <laughs> but, but, I mean, like, wow, Matt. Yeah. But, and still sometimes she has to, like, take a minute to cool down. But it's not like Riley and I are gloating. Yeah, it's not, yeah. We're, we're winning with grace. It's not like you're popping right. open champagne and spraying it all over the living room. We're just going to suck out. Die. Die. Yeah, good. You're not doing that. But we're teaching her that how she performs has nothing to do with her value. Why are we driven to cheat? Because at the end of the day, we don't just think that um, – our end goal is at stake. We feel like our value as an individual is at stake. Mm. And so let them lose. Don't tell them that they're good at everything. Like, she's not good at everything. That's okay. I don't go out of my way to tell her when she's bad at things, but she and I do have conversations about the, the places that need work. Like, there are things in school that she really is legitimately excellent at. There are other places um, where it's not her natural talent. And so I'll say things like, you know what? That just means that you need to work harder. I don't tell her, oh, well, that's okay. Like, girls aren't good at math. <laughs> or it's okay. Like, that, yeah. that um, art project wasn't your strong suit. Well, let's work harder. And this may not be something that you become a prodigy at, but I want to make sure that you feel proficient at it and that you feel capable with what you can do with it. Cheating is also a result of us not feeling capable. I, I think... I mean, I think you're right on, and I really believe it's the parents because absolutely. I mean, and now it's even becoming institutionalized, where it might even be our education system to some degree or another doesn't allow kind of more natural consequences to hit absolutely. our oh, children. Yeah. So they get this illusion or delusion that you know they never fail. I mean, I had a guy and last a night doing that. that. We were watching. Like, let's just do let's, a whole show on. Let's that. do it for real because. I'm watching a basketball game last night, and it really was very fair um, refereeing, and yet right. the the dad, whose team was down by 20, right. was screaming at the refs Ridiculous. to call Ridiculous. it fair, call it fair. Right. Right. And and then another dad's like, well, then that was a travel. And, that, and I'm sitting there yeah. thinking, all we care about here isn't the value of our children. No. It's just winning. Right. It's just winning. Well, and I think the other thing that I'm working to teach her is just because someone disagrees with you just because there are natural consequences, just because um, you are not able to wrap your mind or physical abilities around something doesn't mean it's an offense to you or an injustice yeah, to you. Right. And that's exactly what you're talking about. And that's kind of a heavy conversation to have with a five-year-old, but it's one that we should be having as soon as they're old enough to understand even a, even a part of the words, because eventually over 18 years, they're going to get it, right? Right. Um, the other thing that I am striving, and this is all striving, right? I'm well, sure. It always is. This. But it's, these sure. are great ideas. Sure. Great, like, great. Yeah, sure. Like, tell your, <laughs> beat your children, let them fail a third of the time. I mean, what parent thinks of that? <laughs> this, is, this is true. And then we also need to, um, we need to have conversation. And it's all 
so much of it is conversation, right? But there need to be conversations. Um, and sometimes you use that basketball game you were at where the parents were going crazy as yeah. context, right, to talk to them, where you help them understand that at the end of the day, the only person they should be competitive with is themselves. So I think that that can be a good conversation, and I also think it can be a detrimental conversation. It depends on the context and spirit in which it is given. But when you cheat, you're not actually helping yourself achieve anything. You're lying to others, but most uh, disastrously, you're lying to yourself. And you're building something that will crumble at some point, even if it's only within your heart, and you're worth more than that. You're worth the truth. I keep saying over and over again, um, in a lot of different contexts these days, that the truth can't hurt the truth, okay? Mm, yeah. I think that's a very important concept. So you and I have talked about the nature of our souls and our being and how uh, because of religious and spiritual convictions, we truly feel that we are absolute sons and daughters of God, right? You bet. Well, the truth can't hurt that kind of truth, that kind of divinity, that kind of... Um, eternal value. We owe the truth to that. And so when we lie by cheating on the exam, when we lie by... I don't know how you cheat in sports, like, other than... I'm not... not Well, you... Other than deflating the football. Well, in golf, I mean, a lot of people can't even play golf without cheating. Sure. They just, you know... I cheated at golf, actually. Oh, have you? That's a really good example. Oh, see, so that's one you relate to. Okay, sure. That's what I relate to. So, but you're not... It's all just, um, it's all just ether. Like when you when you aren't honest with yourself, it's nothingness, and you deserve more than that. And so I think it begins with helping your children understand their absolute worth. And I know I say that about like everything that we talk about, <laughs> but it's it's true. <laughs> but it's so I mean, true. And sure, you need more content. Yes, but, right. But it's but, so true because, and even I like just the fact that. You by by allowing them to have to deal with the truth of it, they also learn to change, to grow, that they're Absolutely. responsible for it instead of just making it up, blaming somebody, you know, cheating. Well, and when you when you acknowledge, for example, I am horrible at math. Why am I horrible at math? I'm I'm an intelligent person. You're brilliant. You have to say that because I'm on air. (laughs) I remember being six years old and not understanding what the teacher was teaching me. And I decided, I remember this, sitting at the desk with like my little like hot, sweaty hair from the playground. Wow. I'm not good at math because I'm good at English. And you can't be good at two things. Also, I'm a girl. And I think math is for boys. For the next 20 years of my life, not being good at math was a statement about myself. Yeah, not true. Not true. What I should have known, especially with the parents I had, and what I hope to impress upon my daughters, is that not being good at something is not an excuse. It's a catalyst. Hmm. I should have thrown myself into it, not because I was ever going to be a mathematician. I know enough of my limits to know that that probably was never in my future, but because I deserved to be my best at it, whatever that meant, and to be proud of that. I, I love that. that. I regret that. I should still do that. There's nothing keeping me from doing that except for, you know, Netflix. Well, you also <laughs> ought to, you, ought to, you also, while you're at it, just ought to do it for the sweaty hair. Oh, my hair's sweaty anyways now. <laughs> it's because you're always, you're always going to recess. Um, <laughs> 
But I, I love I love your insight on this um, because a lot of us we hide the truth, and yet you know this Super Bowl will go on. Whatever's going on, we probably won't know what really happened for a month sure. or so. The you know the fervor will die down, right? And you know no one will care. And but at the end of the day, what has that action added or detracted from their soul's journey? Right. Right. And it's a heavy question, but I don't think we're ever uh, too young, too inexperienced, too anything to start asking it. And another thing, okay, the other thing that I am encouraging my daughters to do is, like that seemingly perfect girl on the dorm room floor, find people you think are better than you in the places where you feel the weakest and cling to them like barnacles. Learn from them. Out, like, uh, be around them so that you can be elevated mm. to where they are. And that would be something that you are better at than they are. Um, compassion, uh, you know, eating Cheetos, whatever it is. <laughs> and you, you will elevate them, too. But we shouldn't be avoiding the people that we yeah. are intimidated by. And, make, and don't, you don't need to make fun of them. them. You don't need to tear them down. No, no, you're saying no, get closer to them. Get closer to them. And when you send someone getting closer to you because they need you for those same reasons, welcome welcome them with open arms. Like, we're here to edify, edify and elevate each other, not to compete with one another. Yeah. So, I mean, really, you've done it again. I don't yeah. know how you do this. I didn't even know what the subject was until you guys just started the show. I know. I'm going to have to talk to one of your producers. Well, and again, <laughs> we didn't want to have you cheating. Right, that's true. That's true. Keep, we we wanted we, we want feet. you to just we wanted to spring it on you to see right. what your brain would do, and it did great. You that's nailed it. Great. It's it's really it's keeping me young. It's keeping my brain fresh. Hey, now are you going to be able to stick around this last block? Because uh, yes, okay. Because I'm just saying we've got a little. It's it's a history quiz yes. to talk about whether Again. something's gamesmanship or whether it's cheating. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. And we need sure. your insight. Yeah, I'm in. Because, again, nobody knows both, gamesmanship and cheating, quite like Meg Conley. From her website, Meg in Progress, which is up. It's it's a great website. It's up twice a week now, almost three times a week. <laughs> so if it's an odd day, you can get on there and you know, might be able to read something. Every day is an odd day. True, true, true. <laughs> you did it, Meg. We'll take a break. More with Meg Conley when we come back. And, again, the history quiz. You're listening to the Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back to the final segment here on the Matt Townsend Show. Today we have been talking about, uh, you know, all things cheating. Whether it's, you know, whether it's uh, Lance Armstrong saying, I'm going to go back. You know, if I had the chance to go redo it again, back in the same situation, I'd do it again. I'd, I'd cheat again. I'd dope up again. I, I still... that I. I'm amazed by that. And uh, also, you know, whatever's going on with uh, Deflate Gate, some would call it cheating, some would call it gamesmanship. Some are just going to throw that poor equipment manager oh, yes. under the bus, and then he's going to ride that bus with a hundred thousand dollars in his pocket for whoever paid him off to do that. But I'm not. I'm not or, saying. Who. Or he'll go speaking. Who knows? He'll go. Yeah, he'll become a famous speaker. He'll write a book, and then he'll be on Meg uh, Conley's website. Oh, uh, yeah. Meg in progress. Mm-hmm. Meg Conley's back with us. Um, she she is. Uh, she really is 
an incredible thinker. And when you when you when you meet her, you're like, wow, her hair's just wet, like she's been playing on the playground. <laughs> but she's not. She's so much more than that. She can't do math. By the way, I can't either, Meg. You know, I love reading about it, though, Matt. Like, I love books on mathematics. I just need what? to sit down and, like, not textbooks, but books on the theory of it. Okay. Oh, and, like, the math behind creation. Mm. I mean, like, mathematics is the language of creation. No doubt about it. And that is so interesting. I just can't sit down and do any long division or well, anything. you know what? When you're, you know, if you're not a mathematician, become a philosopher. Oh, I, I was so close to that. And then my well, dad you are like, that. Well, mm, philosopher, that's like a weighted, nah. you know, it's like. You're, it's you're just a deep thinker. I think you're, let's just, let's make up a name. You're a philob, you're a philobroger, you're a philoblogger. I'll be a deep thinker. Philoblogger. Yeah, no. You're a philosopher, blogger, philoblogger. Hey, there uh, we go. Sean's been uh, Sean's been doing some research for us today, and yeah. Sean is going hey, to Sean. give us a little test. So uh, get well, your ethics out. Get ready. Yeah. Okay, Meg. Here we go. Okay. This is actually an article uh, from NPR. It's called "Gamesmanship or Cheating: A History Quiz." It was written by Linton Weeks, and you can find it out uh, on the internet. But he's he quotes the New York Times story about uh, there's a link between cheating and gamesmanship, but that link is constantly blurred. Yeah, it's right. It's a line. You got to watch for it. Exactly. So you know, is it gamesmanship or is it cheating? And there's ten incidents here that, uh, that he has examples of that have been written of in the last fifty years. So just want to ask you: Is it gamesmanship or is it cheating? Here's the first one. Okay. Uh, the Denton Record Chronicle in Texas noted in 1965 that Boston Celtics basketball coach Red Auerbach points out that after a turnover, turnover, a player can return the ball to a referee very slowly to allow his team time to get down to the down the court and set up a defense. Yeah. Games he also shit. reminds players that grabbing or pulling the pants or shirt of an opponent can be very aggravating. Yes. Gamesmanship. Total gamesmanship. Mm-hmm. Totally. It's, if it's not against the rules. That's right. Okay. Now, but by the way, though, Meg, if you do that at the mall, <laughs> cheating. Right. Because there are no rules. Well, that's, that's on Black Friday. If that, that's yeah, right. On Black that's Friday. Cheating. If you're... I, don't, I don't do Black Friday. Black Friday is all about cheating. That's right. That's exactly yeah. right. All right. Uh, in the Des Moines Register in 1970, they talked about the variety of ways that on-court opponents tried to get under the skin of Pete Maravich. Mm, Pistol Pete. Pete. Mm-hmm. The championship gambit for my money, according to columnist Maury White, was an opponent who kissed Maravich on the cheek. Wow! <laughs> if you know, if, if 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 he, you know, if Maravich had done anything yeah. back, if he had slugged him or just yeah, yeah okay. he would have been out of the game. Okay, so it's so against, it's not against the rules to kiss. No, well, that's let's just let's just call it gamesmanship. Well, it wasn't making out. Thank let's goodness. call it creepy gamesmanship. Yeah. <laughs> like my mind games. That's most of, like the cerebral aspect of sports is really the only aspect I'm even interested in. My guess. That's interesting. Well, hold on, hold on. Let's go back because I'm guessing she kisses Riley to win the game. Oh, every time. <laughs> and <laughs> you, you, there are other things you're interested in when it comes to sports other than mind games. Yeah. Because you were just talking about how good looking these people are. Uh, some of them really just like did they come from Olympus? Like I don't wow. even get it, guys. Okay. Hello. Interesting. <laughs> Well, in 1975, Jim Murray was writing in the Los Angeles Times, and he called professional baseball the most larcenous sport. Sure. Yeah. Well, they steal bases. So. They're stealing. But he also observed other things. Groundskeepers will let the grass grow if they have a ground ball pitcher that is throwing. Mm-hmm. Totally. 
or they'll water the base paths if a other team is faster yeah. than their team. That gamesmanship. Uh, now, here's one for you, though. He also talked about players who add cork or extra pine tar to their bats. Cheating. Well, yeah, if that's explicitly against the rules. Yeah, that is. Now, so cheating. But, but here's the difference, though. If somebody snuck into the stadium in the middle of the night and cork somebody's with, bat, or with a lawnmower, because he's a ground, he's a ground, uh-huh. he's a ground base pitcher. Yeah, okay. ground ball pitcher. Ground ball pitcher. Uh, For the other guys. Yeah. Th- then and we mow the lawn. Then that's cheating. If you uh, bring the lawnmower, you get you get to control your own bat corker. environment. Yeah, if you've ever seen Bull Durham, you'll you'll know that somebody actually they went and turned on the sprinklers and got their own rain delay <laughs> out of it. I've seen every season Sarandon movie. Oh, uh, there you go. Very good. I that's I don't know that I tell people that. <laughs> Well, we've got a few more here. In 1977, a UPI reporter called this, recalled the story of American long-distance rudder Fred Lors, and he hitched a ride for part of the course to help him win the 1904 Olympics in St. Louis on the marathon. He hitched that's a ride really in a car? Yes. Yeah, that's cheating. that's cheating. What kind of car was it, though? That might make a difference. I, I don't know. It, was, it had to have been a Model T or something because yeah. it was 1904. Now, if he had hitched the ride on some guy's back, like his, a fellow runner. Well, then... So Still much cheating. easier to cheat back in the day, right? Yeah, like you couldn't sure. even try to attempt that. Yeah, you now. couldn't mm-hmm. even Instagram anything. Yeah, come on. Uh, then we're talking about. Uh, well, do you remember Bill Bradley? Oh yeah, former U.S. senator. He was also basketball. Uh, he player. also played for the New York Knicks and the Princeton yeah. Tigers. Uh, he had a penchant for yanking the body hairs of his opponents. <laughs> <laughs> creepy cheating again. That's, yeah, that's isn't creepy it? gamesmanship. I think it's gamesmanship. Like, does it say you can't do that? Mm-hmm. Well, and, and like they can't shave. Just shave your body hair. <laughs> yeah, come on. James does that just because, you know, we... Woman up. We I'm pull like, his so body hair. Woman up. Like, we pluck out our body hair, like, every day. <laughs> pluck. Like, get over yourself. That's no big deal. <laughs> Start plucking. Oh, I know wrestlers that would do that, though. Yeah. And swimmers shave. Yeah. yeah all I the just, time. This but, is, you know, honestly, a lot of this stuff just makes me think that... The majority of sports played by men are played by wusses. Like women wouldn't complain about most of this. Just be like, yeah, bring it. Well, here's okay. Here's one that's a little deceiving. Yeah, okay. Uh, Bradley had this trick play. He would pretend it, it was on an on an out of bounds play. So they have the ball out of bounds and they're going to pass it inbounds. Yeah. He would actually pretend that he was the one who was supposed to be taking the ball out. So he would casually mm-hmm. walk toward the sideline to exchange the ball with the teammate. Well, the mm-hmm. teammate would toss the ball to Bradley, who would then score because they're, they'd be right underneath yeah, yeah. the basket. Because the other team would back off thinking, oh, well, he's, oh, he's yeah. just going out of bounds to Games throw the shoot. ball in. But, yeah. Those are great. If you go on YouTube and just watch all of the tricks that they play on each other in sports— if it's within the rules, gamesmanship. Yeah, mm-hmm. they had a very similar situation with that with football. That the quarterback yeah. would take the ball and you know pass it to the. Yeah. Well, he would yeah, and pretend like he wants to exchange. Yeah, the ball. with the ref, and yeah. then he would run for a touchdown. Yep. How about this one in football? In 2010, you had the snowplow game. Do you remember this? Actually, in 1982 was the snowplow game, but uh, this was in a, a USA Today article in 2010. Again, the New England Patriots. Oh boy! Visiting the Miami Dolphins, or the Miami Dolphins were in New England. Excuse yeah. me. Now this is pre um, Brady. Okay. Yeah. Brady, Brady, and Belichick. This yeah. is this is before they were even on the team. But still, in fact, the coach was Ron owner. Meyer at the time. Okay. But he ordered a snowplow on the field to clear a space for his team's place kicker. Yeah. The Patriots won the game three to nothing. 
Because he had a nice, clean, he, exactly. pristine. Don Shula later said it was the most unfair act ever committed in NFL history. Interesting. Coach of the Is it Dolphins. within the rules to bring a snowplow? I, I don't know. I, like I don't know. The NFL handbook on that because maybe he's just the only smart one doing it. I don't know. Do, do you have a handbook to check? Well, she is the sports expert, isn't she? <laughs> well, she's the sports check out the guys think they're hot, Bert. <laughs> That's not the only reason I oh, like it. Right. Like, mm-hmm. Play mind I mean, games. Uh, baseball players typically not my cup of tea, but I really enjoy the game of baseball. How about wrestlers in their well, little no, onesies? Hate, what do you call I those, Sean? Wrestling. I Unitards, singlets wrestling. in the singlets. singlets. Yeah. Uh, do you, you don't like wrestling? By the way, wrestling no, no. is it's one of the best sports to watch ever because it's no, just pure man on man. It's incredible. Yep, that's a lot of man on man. That's mm-hmm. right. It's amazing. Okay, I've got one more for Last you. Last one. Last one. Professional golfer Greg Norman uh, talked about this thing that happened in 1986. He was at the U.S. Open with Lee Trevino. At the 10th hole, each of us had a tricky downhill birdie putt. Trevino hit first, and when his first putt finished a foot or so past the hole, he said to his caddy, for the benefit of Greg Norman, that's the fastest putt I've seen all year long. (laughs) And it worked. He left his approach putt five feet short and then missed the next one. Lee, wow. Lee Trevino parred the hole, and he and Norman bogeyed it. Gamesmanship. He's, that is he, cool. And Norman even calls this game great. gamesmanship. He says it, it may stretch the limits of sportsmanship, but the fact is everyone does it, at least yeah. on the golf course. Oh, man. See, when I played with Meg, we went golfing, <laughs> and um, – she she kept stepping. So on the green, she would step on my ball ah. and, like, send it about, you know, halfway down. That's, and just, like, she'd basically sink my ball. It's actually called croquet. Is that croquet? Yeah, that's not. That's oh, that's not true. Yeah, they were bigger. Yeah, they I were big balls. I don't even know enough about golf to understand what you're referring to at this point. So. Well, you know what, Meg? Um, we think you're fantastic. And, again, it, you may not have understood too. that because that had a lot to do with math. <laughs> and so, yeah, that fraction in there. <laughs> Um. Anyway, Meg, I appreciate you you coming and being on the show and just giving us a little bit of your light. Oh yeah, so so much light, Matt. <laughs> no, it really was you. Anytime you edify us and you're changing the world. Everybody, you go check out our website, meginprogress.com. dot com. Is it up today, Meg? It is up today. Yeah. Okay, great. Have you? I mean, so it's all running today. It's all running. Good. Head on over. How long are you going to keep Enjoy it up today, yourself. Meg? Is it going to be up I'm all day? For the next hour and a half. Okay. And then I'm taking it down. So everybody, <laughs> hurry, get out there, get out there while it's hot, Meg. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Take guys. care of your family. Ah, good stuff. I always laugh and just love Meg. She's the best. Here's a quote on the way out by Sophocles, for heaven's sakes. Who would know? This is old wisdom here. I would prefer even to fail with honor than by cheating. Sophocles. Some wise, wise uh, information for all of us. Tomorrow on the show, my friends, selfishness in a relationship. Will it ruin it? Dr. Jane Greer will be talking with us about that Thanks for joining us again. Remember, let's choose character. Let's choose character. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Back again tomorrow with more ideas, more fun right here on BYU Radio.